right, and we are rolling. Welcome back into the second episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Teddy, I felt the whoa, need whoa, to say whoa. 19... You just said Chasing 1969. I know. I felt the need to say 1969 because we didn't even explain in episode one. For those who... Jets fans obviously know what we're talking about, and hopefully most football people listening do as well, too. But I feel like we may get a straggler in there that's just friends of ours or not football fans so i i needed to say chasing 1969 because this is a podcast that was smart about of you. getting the jets back to glory uh from their first super bowl in 1969 but we are back it is a uh, wednesday march 23rd about a month or so away from the nfl draft um but we are just back rolling another second episode we got a few free agency updates we're going to go through too and of course uh, with this being our second episode, we only thought it was right to have a very prominent conversation. And Teddy, what that is, of course, Matt Ryan being traded to my Indianapolis Colts. Oh, today. just shut up. Not that? Okay, no. Of course, this is going to be our Zach Wilson podcast. We're going to be breaking down our thoughts on the hopeful future franchise quarterback for the New York Jets. Uh, talk about what we saw in his rookie season. I've had a lot of uh, time done with Zach Wilson going back to my work that I did with my draft uh, guide last year. So I just want to take a look at where he's going, our thoughts, uh, our thoughts on the fan base opinion on Zach Wilson and where we stand going into next year. Before we get all to that, Teddy, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Um, I'm just excited to talk about the future best quarterback in the league. I mean, that's basically it. I do think it's smart of you to explain the name of our podcast because yeah. we did just skip over that completely. completely and i honestly didn't even realize till right now but yeah 1969 yeah. dope year jets won the super bowl pretty sure it was like february 3rd or something like that i yep. used to know the date mm -hmm. but i forgot it but yeah it was sick and you know there's a lot of teams that don't have a super bowl so despite the fact that it was you know 53 years ago i still consider there. yeah i'm a math guy stats guy but i still <laughs> consider that you know, at least we got the one and we're going to get another soon. Right. Hopefully. You don't have one in 2006 uh, like I got to enjoy. Um, but I understand that. I understand that you'll, you'll get back there at some point. But yes, yeah, so a New York Jets podcast chasing 1969, getting the Jets back to glory. Um, Teddy, a couple more signings since the last time we uh, we we spoke. Um, of course, a few guys being brought back in the quarterback room. We are keeping the status quo for 2022. Joe Flacco returning, Mike White returning, also re-signed offensive lineman Dan Feeney. So those are the couple of guys that are coming back into the fold that hadn't been already announced the week prior. Uh, and then two more really fun signings, at least in my opinion. You know, Tyler Conklin, tight end for Minnesota, not going to be the flashiest name there, um, but he is... Uh, Really good blocking tight end, beast of a man as well, too. Um, and then Jacob Martin, uh, edge rusher from Houston Texans. I got to write about him a couple of weeks ago as a target that I liked for them at the edge position. Uh, I just want to go specifically, I guess we'll we'll go over those each a little individually. Um, but just real quick before we get to the new guys in the house, uh, thoughts on bringing back Flacco, White, keeping the status quo. What did, what did you think about keeping the, the quarterback room the same? Yeah, yeah, that I think is a really smart move. Um I just, I mean, Mike White proved that he could play, you know, at least deserves to be that. And Joe Flacco, both times in the past two years he's had to come in, has had success. And and last year you could just see how much he did for Zach Wilson once he got in that quarterback room, you know. Um, they wanted to bring him back last year. Obviously, he went elsewhere to the Eagles. They got him back in a trade. But 
yeah, I think that's, I think the QB, I mean, we neglected a, a backup quarterback for too long, you know, in the past years. And I think that was one of the things that it was just so annoying to see like, oh, Sam Darnold's injured. So now we like literally do not even have a chance at all. And we're not even going to remotely try, you know? So, mm -hmm. so I just think it, it, it just shows like they're being smart. And especially I like to see that it's the same guys as opposed to just bringing in like, new veteran after new veteran you know <clears throat> right oh yeah definitely and there were a couple of guys that i thought would have made fine fits if flacco you know was just gonna go somewhere else and maybe be a backup for maybe more of a contending team um you know a guy like chad henny brian hoyer i i spoke about a couple of those names um in one of my first pieces with sports illustrated um but yeah i agree keeping joe flacco is is one of the guys that just it, it makes a lot of sense um he's not a guy that is like dying to be a starting quarterback of course every quarterback wants to start they want to be in the action but I think when you hit a certain age you've got a certain amount of accomplishments in your career um, now you can kind of focus in on helping um, some guys out you're almost like an assistant coach on the field so I really like bringing Flacco back obviously we've seen Flacco and Wilson talk about how much they've enjoyed working together as well too through the first year how much Salah has liked him as a guy in the locker room too so I love that uh, Mike White as well, too. He's a he's a little bit of a legend, of course, for how he uh, oh, came yeah. on so strong. Um, I remember that Thursday night game against uh, against my Colts, how well he did until he got that. Uh, what was it? A thumb injury, something on his. It was hand like his wrist. wrist. Yeah, really something odd like injury because he ended yeah, up. Being I think he okay, hit a, he just like lost. He hit feeling. a helmet, I think, or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah so like busted a nerve or something. And he's a guy that it's like, yeah, I mean, why not keep him around? He wasn't bad when he had to fill in. Um, he's also not a guy that, like like you said, is really going to be creating a quarterback competition for your rookie. Like, this still paves way where Zach Wilson knows this is my franchise. This is my opportunity. Yes, I still have to make the most of it. I have to prove that I'm going to be the long-term answer here. But they're not bringing in guys already where it's like, where you're looking over your shoulder, like, what's this guy doing here? So I like those moves as well, too. Feeney, I don't know if there's much you really want to talk about with him. Just a depth piece on the offensive line. Going to be flexible to play multiple positions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I it. think he was pretty bad last year when he was in. Um, when we signed him, it was, like, obviously fun. He's the mullet guy. He dominated mm -hmm. the Islanders games last yeah, year, was which awesome. was fun. But, you know, I mean, I do think it's pretty clear he's a guy that has a lot of good relationships with guys on the team which I think can be understated sometimes that that's just like important. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't really move the needle for me. Right. Okay, good. So got those guys out of the way. The two I wanted to talk about more, uh, of course, Tyler Conklin and uh, as rusher, Jacob Martin Conklin, I don't have a ton on with him specifically. I do think what is interesting about bringing in another tight end through free agency is you almost look at the room and you think, okay, well, we all have been looking at pick 32 and going McBride, McBride, McBride. Maybe tight end becomes a day three pick or a third round pick. Maybe they take a chance in these first two rounds to really beef up on defense and wide receiver. Um, still could go McBride. There's there's no harm in having another tight end out there. Um, but obviously there's no expectations for Croft to be just this monster for them with Uzama being the, the lead guy right away on day one. But um I don't know, Ted, was there a general consensus you saw maybe from Jets Twitter over that signing? I didn't see a ton yeah. that really spoke too much, but what did you see? I mean, to be honest, I think you're kind of underselling it. Um, I definitely agree with the idea of like we a lot of Jets fans were excited for McBride. I do think that's one of those things where like people just see the need and they see this like top. 
it just kind of makes sense. Like this top prospect at the position, um, Middleton, who was the head coach of the senior bowl, like who just got a DUI, by the way, I don't know if we want to talk about that, but that's not Can't good. Do that. But, I didn't see um, that. When did that yeah, happen? I don't know. Like two or three days ago. Um, yeah. So it's like two off that. seasons in a row. Now we're dealing with, an, with a, maybe three that we're dealing with a DUI um, in the off season. But um, the thing about it, I think, is that, number one, th- there is other tight ends in this class that I'd be happy with taking. So it doesn't kind of force their hand to be like, OK, if this is our guy, we got to take him at 35 or 38. Now they can kind of address those, which I mean, those are really high picks in the second round. You know what I mean? So if you can go and get a different position and then still get a tight end, maybe at I think they have pick 69, which is fitting nice. for this podcast. Um, but but yeah, and and my thing. I just think when you look at like the history of tight ends in the league, they usually take to like year three or year four to really break out. Mm-hmm. So especially when we're putting all this emphasis on like help Zach Wilson. Now, I really love the fact that they went out there and got two guys who are like established and Conklin to talk about him specifically. I mean, like you said, he's a good blocker, which is great. And he's, he's a guy who like, has shown he has the the run after the catch ability and has shown he has like the red zone ability and he's a big body and he can go up and grab the ball, you know? So like, I just think him and Uzama are going to be two very like versatile tight ends, maybe not the greatest tight ends in the league by any means, but the Jets want to live in, in a two tight end sets. You know what I mean? And that, that was like a big thing in reviewing this past year. And we definitely talked about it a lot where, you could see that they were in these two tight end sets at the beginning of the year and they just weren't succeeding, you know, and be, it, probably a big part of that was they just didn't have the tight ends to be able to do it. So mm-hmm. credit to LaFleur, he adjusted. They started running a lot more 11 personnel and, um, you know, really started to see their offense do better. And now I think they're going to be able to really live in that 12 personnel base where, you're able to run the ball effectively because you have two tight ends that are three down tight ends that are, you know what I mean? I just think for the way that the jets want to run their offense, the fact that we don't just have to say, okay, well we have Uzama and then we're going to rely on this new rookie to come in. And if he gets hurt, then we have like Kenny Yaboa who's undrafted and maybe another guy Mm -hmm. that we sign or we re-sign Croft or something like that. Right. I just think, I think it's a really good signing for him. And then I'll just, talk quickly about uh Jacob Martin I just think he's a good pass rusher and and that's what we need so so both these signings I definitely I definitely think are good they're not like obviously the biggest names in the world but I just think they're good solid signings which is kind of what we need at this point I think Jacob Martin's going to be a really surprising uh, addition for the team next year and more so just off the fact that he he was very impressive this past season with the Houston Texans the problem was is that they were such a bad team. He needed to be a three-down uh, edge rusher. He needed to be out there against the run. And you know, for a former linebacker with a smaller frame, he was he's he's not great against the run, but he is terrific as a pass rusher. Quick hands, quick burst. He is going to be a really he's going to be one of those guys that he's not going to be out there on early down situations, but he's going to be first or second or third on the team in terms of total sacks by the end of the season. Like he'll, he'll be a guy that is like constantly getting pressure on the quarterback. He's going to be up there in the sack totals. Uh, that's, that's a, a signing that I'm, I'm really happy with because he didn't cost much. 
You know he's going to have a specific role. He's not going to be asked to be out there on early down situations. The Jets are already going to be loading up on guys that can be out there on first and second down for those um, those run plays. But when you put him out there on third and long or in, in obvious passing situations, I think he's going to be extremely impressive. And it's one of those situations where he, he was in a – defensive scheme that didn't fit his needs. And then he put his hand in the dirt and uh, with uh, Lovey Smith this past season and really shine. Uh, I was a little worried when Lovey Smith was announced the head coach that he wasn't really going to make it to free agency. I thought that he did a good enough job where they were going to want to keep him back. And when you have a ton of cap space and you're a bad team, why not keep the, the players? But maybe, maybe Martin wanted a different situation. Um, he's going to have a, less of a role, but I think he's going to be a much more recognizable player because of it. So that's, that's one of, I, I really love that signing. Obviously I think it's still a little bit of work to do in that front seven. Um, but I also like the fact he's got experience at linebacker too. He's a little bit of a versatile player that can help out if, if injuries do happen or if, you know, for whatever reason, these linebacker positions don't really pan out, but um, I, I really like the Jacob Martin signing. Yeah. And, and just to like really emphasize the point, I mean, Watching the Jets the past 10 years, the inability to get to the quarterback is the main thing that sticks out. Like I can just imagine countless plays of just like praying that someone just pressures the quarterback, you know, like a little and it just doesn't happen, you know, mm -hmm. and I, like you were speaking to Matt Ryan, like when we played the Falcons, it was like it was like Matt Ryan tore us up, but he's just it's simple, you know, it's just drop back, sit there, find the open guy, throw it, you know, like. You have pocket. to, especially in the defense that Sal runs, you have to be able to get to the quarterback. And that makes um, the cornerbacks uh, jobs easier and the rest of the defense as a whole. So definitely, definitely agree. That's that's just what this offseason speaks to me so far in free agency is it's getting players that fit what these what these schemes are going to be. And, and it's tough to do that just like quick right out the gates when you switch over the staff you're you're pressed a little bit in terms of prep for free agency in the draft you can try and get some pieces in there you take a couple of shots um, if they don't pan out um, then then it's so be it but now you have the full season you have the full year to really get um, on the same page management to coaching staff and we're going out there and we're seeing them kind of take form to the kind of take form to what the 49ers are it, it, over there in, in San Francisco. I think Joe Douglas has done a really good job recognizing the type of players that his coaching staff needs and then going out there and bringing some of those guys in. So um, it, it's, it's a lot of pressure with four. It's those two tight end sets in the run game. They're kind of building the East coast version of the, the 49ers. So I really like that. And then there's one more thing before we move on to talk about Zach Wilson that I just wanted to say that I, I love, what Joe Douglas is doing, and it's all these backloaded contracts. I, I I always love general managers that understand that, hey, the best way to attract free agents but also not have to really overpay is to put a lot of that money in year three or year two where you can cut bait, and it really makes life easier if you make a mistake. So some of these contracts that we're seeing, they're, they're really backloaded in years two and three. Things don't work out in year one. You can always cut the bait, and I, and I think that that's um, – not only good for the team itself, but I think it gives the players a little bit more to work for too. You know, you sign that contract, you want to work for that year two money. You want to work for that year three money because um, you know it's not guaranteed. So being able to do that, always a smart choice. I love when I see general managers do that. I don't understand why most of them don't uh, because I just, I think it's a win-win situation for both. I mean, it's not a win for the players, obviously, if stuff like injuries happen, but 
um, it, it's a win for the organization because you're saving yourself if the decisions you end up making don't really pan out that quick. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's another example of just Joe Douglas showing how knowledgeable and how, how just good he is at his job. I mean, yeah. we all are going to sit here and say this year is going to define him, which very well may be true. But I, I just think when you look at the way that he, the strategy he takes in these past couple off seasons, I just, I, I just don't see a world where, where he's doing things completely wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's pivot then to what we want this podcast to uh, to be a little bit more about, of course, episode two. Oh, actually, no, there's a few things I wanted to, to cut on. I'm sorry. Just real quick, a couple of guys that that left the Jets. Sorry, Ted. No, um, no worries. Of course, uh, Morgan Moses signs a three-year deal with the Ravens, was kind of that rotational tackle. I'm, I, you know, when you look at the Jets offensive line right now, I'm fine letting Morgan Moses go to the Ravens. Did you have any particular thoughts? I know you probably were a little bit more familiar than I was. No. Yeah. I mean, I think he had an okay year last year. Like, I don't think he was bad by any means, but he wasn't this like amazing player in my opinion. And exactly what you just said, I think where we stand with, with our offensive line and, and where we're going to probably get more in the draft I just think it's not really where we needed to be investing money especially in like an older player um mm-hmm. I, I think He's from 31. the beginning yeah I think from the beginning we kind of agreed that that um you know like if they got him it'd be fine but likely he'll take more money elsewhere you know and get and the Jets probably wouldn't offer him what other teams would I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure what he signed for but I'm sure maybe that had something to do with it but yeah I mean it doesn't really bug me Trying to think if it was three for 18, something like that. He did get a multi-year deal. Let me, I have it right here, actually. So he left for a three-year 15 million. So yeah, five million. Not a huge contract, but still I know. No money need, that could be allocated really. elsewhere. Exactly. And then the other one, of course, um, you know, longtime safety, uh, Marcus May heading over to the New Orleans Saints on a three-year, $22.5 million contract. Uh, you know, we think about kind of one of the final remaining pieces from the McCagnan era. Um, and, and there was almost a point after the Jordan Whitehead signing where there was like, Hey, there's still some potential Marcus may comes back. Uh, then new Orleans loses Marcus Williams. They slide in Marcus may. I know you were a fan of him at, at certain points. They seem to be trying to, to figure out contract extensions for two seasons. Weren't able to get it done. He's off to new Orleans. Any, any last words for good old Marcus may. Yeah. I mean, Marcus may, was a great player for us. I think he, I mean, he's coming off the injury, obviously. So that's going to play into all of this, but I, I do think he's going to like, he's a guy who's going to be underrated um, at the position, just in terms of like public opinion. I think next year, if he's able to stay healthy, I think, and he's able to get back to the way he was playing. I think he's a very, very good, good safety in the league. Um, in terms of his relationship with the jets, I do kind of think, it's just that mix of like bad timing and also being from like that previous um, previous like uh, GMs. Regime. Yeah. Regime. Yeah, yeah. There's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. But um, yeah, exactly. I, I just think he's this guy who would it have been the worst move to pay him? No. But again, it's like, is that really where we want to invest money where we need to be prioritizing other, other positions and just, like, okay, you give Marcus May a three or four year deal. And then what happens when you're three or four years down the line, you know, and he's kind of getting older and maybe isn't as good. So I think Marcus mm-hmm. May is a fine player. I think he did great on the jets. Um, but I, I, I mean, he said it himself before free agency, he said he thinks his, 
his time has just run its course. And I think that's true. I don't really think Joe Douglas was never going to take out, take out the checkbook for him. You know what I mean? Like he was never going to write him this big deal. So Mm -hmm. obviously the injury is kind of screwing him over with getting his big contract that he wanted, but I just, I didn't, I didn't really ever see it happening. Yeah. I, it seemed almost for a second that, that there was a chance. And when you look at the price tag, you're like, yeah, would, would Joe have done that to bring him back? Maybe, but probably not. Um, And and like you said, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you're trying to move on from such a disastrous um, tenure there with, with the Gase McCagnan, you know, a couple of years there and, and being able to do this is kind of like the final, okay, let's, let's, get our guys in here. There's a lot more, you know, there's always that when, when you have a new uh, general manager coaching staff take over, it's, it's like, Hey, let's flush out what isn't ours. And then let's start to build the team that we've got. So um, in terms of building that team now, as we look toward uh, still no real signings at wide receiver, obviously they bring back Braxton Berrios outside of Jacob Martin, not a ton of edge as well too. To me, I kind of expected that going into free agency because you look at picks four and 10, you look at the depth of edge rusher, you look at the continuous depth of wide receiver in the drafts um, and how guys at those positions seem ready to play year one. Uh, Teddy is as a Jets fan that knows the importance of helping out a young quarterback uh, and, and adding playmakers on the outside and getting pressure on the quarterback with this defense. What are your current thoughts about the, Lack of signings at those two marquee positions. Yeah, um, I'll start with edge because I'm a little less worried about that, I guess. Um, I know that's a position that we need to address and it's one we've had to address. But in my mind, I kind of think like Carl Lawson is kind of like a signing this year, you know, because he missed all last season. So that's something that's going to be added. And then you think of what Jacob Martin can do and just the way that so now you have him you have Carl Lawson you have Franklin Myers who with that addition is probably going to be able to play more inside and assuming that you're going to draft an edge as well you know he's probably going to be able to play more of his natural position but he still can play that edge role if he needs to he's shown us that um so I'm not like too worried about edge um because I do really think that they're going to make their addition in the draft um, I think Jermaine Johnson's probably a guy to really keep an eye on just just because of the way that reports have been coming out and the way he played at the at the senior bowl when they were there within the whole week and and things like that. I think that's just obviously there's Thibodeau. I'm still kind of in the Thibodeau train, but we'll probably get Me into too. this in a, in a future episode. Um, I'm glad to hear that, though. That's cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of wide receiver. Kind of like what you said. I mean, we talked about it last week. I do think it would, it's like fun to think like, oh, maybe they'll add Allen Robinson. Maybe they'll add Juju, you know, but these are also guys who like, it could be very easy to give them too much money and then they come in and underperform. Um, I think I really am just in that they got to take a receiver at 10. That's what I feel with, with the way that they've set themselves up. And then I still just think like add a guy, add one of these lower guys I really think looking at the list um, that Keelan Cole, they're just going to end up re-signing. And I don't hate it. I mean, Keelan Cole is like a fine wide receiver to be like your fourth or fifth best wide receiver, you know, like that's fine with me. Um, So I definitely think that's something I think that'll happen in the next few days or weeks, I guess, depending on how free agency um, plays out. But, but looking at the list, there's just really not a lot of guys that they could sign that, that I'd be interested in. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but like you said, with the players that they had, um, available to them in free agency, I don't think it's the most surprising thing. And I just think that you got to add another guy. Like, even if that, like, maybe they had Cole Beasley, you know, like just swap Jameson Crowder for Cole Beasley. If, if he's going to get a cheap deal, just don't overpay someone, you know, Keelan Cole will probably not get as much money as we gave him last year. He's not going to get a $6 million deal again, you know? So just sign one of those guys and then draft one. And I'm probably fine. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you worry about it any more than I do, I guess? No, not, not really. Um, if if there was one that I would actually be more worried about, it would almost be Edge, just because I know you know you look at how many people that that Sala wants in that rotation. That would be the one that I, I'm almost flipped where I would be a little more worried with that, just because. Sure, at four you get the best or second best edge rusher available, and and you hope that he just comes in and is a stud, but. When you take a look along the defensive line, they really want to have like an eight man rotation um, and and with a lot of ranging talents as well, too. So, you know, they could easily double up in those first two rounds or even, you know, four and then maybe the third round as well, too, with your second edge guy. Um, so that that's two more spots right there at wide receiver. I, I completely agree. I mean, I'm looking at the list right now. Wide receiver is unfortunately becoming one of the, those positions where it's like the point guard of the NBA, where there's just so many good ones that, you know, you're just, you're just hurting at at certain, like certain guys. Now, once you hit an age, like teams would rather go in the first round and and, and take a chance on a guy than sign AJ green to a deal or Will Fuller to a deal. You know, Will Fuller is a guy that when he's healthy, he's really impressive. He's one of the best deep threats in football, but it's like, well, I can bring in, uh, you know, a Jamison Williams who, who is just like him in terms of speed, maybe lacks the size there. But um, it, it's one of those positions that is so rich in talent now where these vets, I mean, they're going to be signing some cheap deals. They'll be trying to make it work. I mean, there's there's guys, you know, that you see that have been hitting team after team for five years now, like a Deshaun Jackson. How many teams has he cycled through at this point? You know, T.Y. Hilton at 32, he wants to stay in Indy. Indy for the second year in a row is like, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll bring you back for a couple mil. If you get a bigger offer, please go take it. So <laughs> wide receivers, that position where it's, it's just, and you look at, at the draft classes for the next few years. I mean, it is, it is so full. And, and like you said, we have probably our next, what, five episodes to really hammer in on this draft class. So we'll go into detail on all these guys. Cause I go back and forth. I know we were texting earlier today. I have a new, favorite wide receiver in this class it's been close between a three it keeps changing um but yeah i i'm not too worried about either i'd like to see probably a few more vets uh taken up front just because i think that that's fixing the defense is so so important where it's um i don't know i I would like to see a combination of a little bit of both but yeah i'm not i'm not too worried about receiver um at this point Yeah, I'm there with you. I really am. I think yeah. that I really, I mean, I really do think it's going to be possible that we're taking multiple receivers in the first two, three, maybe four rounds, you know? Yeah. I Why mean, not? there's good ones and, and that's been plenty. It's one of those things where it's like, it's like inside D lineman kind of like, or like the transition from the college to the NFL is just like less stressful to some positions, you know? And I just think like, 
year after year, we're seeing this depth at receiver mm-hmm. in the draft, you know, so, so go for it. Like go sign two right. of them or draft two of them. So yeah, yeah, I feel like we're okay here. Have, has Jets Twitter been upset about those two positions? I feel like I've seen a lot yeah. of people want receiver more than edge. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you look at our receiving room right now, it, it really is. It's Corey Davis. It's um, Braxton. It's Elijah Moore. It's Mims. And then, like, I think we have Vincent Smith on a deal, but I'm not exactly Mims sure. Is probably a probably a doesn't make it to well, August kind of right. guy. I mean, we'll yeah, like we'll see. I'm still holding out hope, you know, but but that's kind of <laughs> what you think. But I mean, maybe it shows that they like Mims. No, I'm just that's probably not true. But I would I mean, again, I'd still love to see Mims like at least do something. But I would, too. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, let's move on to the to the big topic for the day. Uh, that is, of course, second year, soon to be second year quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Teddy's got the jersey on. Future go. How many, how many jerseys of like current players do you have right now? Just Wilson and more. I okay, um, gotcha. I took a hiatus for a while. I mean, I've really not been like a huge jersey guy, but Me it's either. just hard when you're a Jets fan and they just constantly like move. Right. And we got the Darnold jerseys. And those were nothing, you know, and with Zach Wilson, I was going to like hold out. But then right before last season, I was like, I need to get a jersey and Elijah Moore. I'm a receiver guy and I love receivers. Yeah. So like I always want to get like I I wanted to get a Mims jersey when we draft him, you know, but like I've been scarred so many times with these like first or second round picks that we don't that don't end up panning out. So I held out on more for a little but then now I'm just so bought in that that I got one stealth black. Yeah. I'm wearing it next episode. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah I'm not. A, maybe we can we can talk some draft wide receivers that day and make it all kind of fit together. Heck I only yeah. have a I only have a Quentin Nelson jersey right now just because I feel like he's a guard that's going to be on. You don't the have a Wentz jersey from years. last year. I do not. I never <laughs> even thought about getting one. There wasn't a second of me that was yeah. like, yeah, I need a Carson Wentz jersey. No. I did watch Matt Ryan's introductory press conference and might be getting a Matt Ryan jersey. Matty Ice, Unlike, man. Matty a, Ice. Had a great interview. Great interview. God, you Anyways, love Colts. I do. <laughs> I do. I love them. I'm wearing them today. This was a, this was a big day. Oh, I day. didn't even notice. It was a big day for the Colts. I, I, I did not get excited for the trade for Carson Wentz. After 24 hours, I'm, I'm pretty bought into it. But anywho, Zach Wilson. Um, mixed bag of a first year, some would say. Uh, you know, I, I I'm doing a, a film series with him for Sports Illustrated. I am three weeks in. We took a little bit of a break um, through free agency in the draft. It'll continue through the summer. Uh, rough start, really, really rough start. Um, but th- the same case can be made for a lot of rookies this past year. No OTAs, no real full off season to get into um, a groove with the offense. Um, tough start to the schedule, you know. Uh, Panthers, really good, aggressive defense, Patriots, Broncos. Um, but then as we saw through the second half of the year, it seemed to get a little bit better. Um, obviously, we know he has got some crazy arm talent uh, that that really impresses me. Um, coming out of the draft class, he ended up being my number three quarterback, just a hair behind Justin Fields, uh, Trevor Lawrence being my, my QB one of that draft class. Um, there was a point, though, in that process where I was like, why isn't Zach Wilson the best guy there? Um, and I think when you take a look at 
the things he can do with his arm, um, you're like, man, this is this is Aaron Rodgers-esque in terms of the ball placement, in terms of the arm angles. It's a lot of what you're seeing now with some of the best quarterbacks in football. Then there's the bad, right? There's a lot that's still need to be worked on. Um, before I go into a bunch of that, as, as a fan, um, as someone who has gone through and seen a ton of quarterbacks come through this, this franchise and maybe succeed for a little, maybe not succeed at all. Um, first season with Zach Wilson, honestly, uh, what were your impressions, takeaways? What, what did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, I, like you said, I mean, it was a mixed bag and in really no world can you like go out there and say like, Oh, he showed us, you know, like this is the guy, you know, like, I, I can't sit here and say that, but mm-hmm. what I see when I watch him, that's different from the other guys is, is just like, number one, the athleticism. And this is one of the things like I bought into Sam Darnold. And like I said, on this first, on our first episode, like I'm a fan through and through. So I'm always going to buy in, you know what I mean? Like, it's just who I am. But like the thing with Sam Darnold is he just was not athletic. And when I watch like Zach Wilson run around, like his, his strides is something that just like jumps off the screen to me, like just the way like he can run and move so quickly. And exactly what you said with like the arm strength and the angles, like I pre-draft last year, I would never sit there and be like, Oh yeah, Zach Wilson, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers." And granted, I don't watch like as much college football or dive into the film as much as you do. But when you watch him, it's it's like the exciting plays that jump off the page first. And you just I mean, in the first game, he had two touchdowns that are like he's running around and he makes these crazy throws. And it's like that's so important. Like you need to have that to be a a great um, quarterback and like have a great team is you need to be able to make those like big plays, make something happens when nothing there get out of scrambles, do all that thing, do all that stuff. So for me, like, that's what I like, like about Zach Wilson, you know, is just his, his pure ability and athleticism. When you get into the things that I don't like, for me, it's a lot of like the, the simpler things, which I think is a positive because I think that it, there are things that he, he can improve upon. So like, for example, the first thing in the first couple um, first couple games that really sticks out is, and not even really, maybe like throughout the year, and, and I think he got better at it toward the end of the year, but definitely for the, at least through like the first seven or eight games he played, he's just missing like short passes, you know, and he's dropping back and it's, they'll have a wide open guy in the flat and he just completely is off. And I think where, what was, happening a lot of the times is he's throwing off his back foot and that's a thing that Sam Darnold would do all the time and throw picks is just like throw off his back foot and just chuck it because when you throw off your back foot you lose accuracy and you lose arm strength what I will say is what Zach Wilson is able to kind of overcome that because of his arm strength which is something that Darnold never had but so it's like less of a worry but but that's the number like the main concern is just like hitting those small short to intermediate passes that are like the simple ones, you know what I mean? And so when I think about comparing him to other quarterbacks, I just think about 
for him, it's like the opposite. It's like, he's not just going, it's, he's not Mike white, just like, Oh, I can succeed. Just throw into the checkdowns. And, and obviously that's what we need him to do. But at that same time, you, you, to be able to see the big playability and the way to just the way he like moves around the pocket and can throw a bomb. I mean, that gets me excited. So he's just got to prove that he can really focus in on the little details of not turning the ball over and improving his accuracy in those short and intermediate throws. And I think that's really where he takes his next step. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've always said, and it's one of my, I guess when I take a look at, at quarterbacks coming out of college and, um, to me, it's it's always easier to teach a quarterback to pull the reins in from these spectacular plays. It's it's easier to teach them to do the simple things than it is to have a quarterback that is checked down Charlie and say, all right, now we need you to bust a, a 75 yard or like, you know, push the ball down the field. Um, so that's why I liked Zach Wilson so much coming out of college is because he was that guy that it's it's. The, the wow plays really make you go, man, this guy can can throw just about anywhere on the football field. And there are some great precision passes that he has on a daily basis. The problem is, is, is the simple stuff. He needs to have a standard, easy throwing motion on these quick reads, um, on these simple, you know, five-step dropbacks, on these quick 10-yard passes. Everything needs to just be the same he needs to be in sync, I guess, or at least in rhythm with himself. Because like you said, all the back foot stuff, you're throwing off balance throws, you're causing turnover worthy plays. Um, so that stuff, you know, definitely worries me a little bit with him. Um, you know, you try and look at quarterbacks that have developed from this kind of similar mold. Um, the, the most apparent guy to me, and, and there's so many ways in which he is not the same um, is Josh Allen and, and his development. It took what till year three for, for Josh to really become, you know, one of the premier quarterbacks in football, but there were always those amazing plays in years one and two. It was just those amazing plays would be hit or miss. And then it was a lot of turnovers. Um, it was a lot of incomplete passes. His completion percentage was very low. He needed to learn how to pull the reins in, how to trust himself on these easy throws. It almost seems as like Wilson at times trusts himself on these little dangerous plays here. But when it's a, a slant route, he, he doesn't understand just step back, throw, you know, step back, see it throw. It's those first read throws being comfortable with that. Um, to me, that's really where you need to see a little bit of improvement heading into next season. And, and maybe it's, it's look, a lot of it is confidence. And when you're a quarterback and you're, you're three weeks in and you haven't had a full off season and you're facing some really tough defenses, it's tough to trust yourself. And I think as we saw the year go on, uh, it gets a little bit better. And I, I'm, I think we would all agree second half of the season, a lot different than the first half. And, um, it almost took maybe sitting back for a couple of weeks and seeing some of these order, other quarterbacks in oh, the yeah. room kind of handle things the way Flacco held himself, the way Mike White held himself. He's like, wait a minute. Okay, these throws are open. These receivers can catch these easy passes. I just got to have faith in what my throwing motion is, in where the receivers are going to be, leading them open. Um, and I think we started to see a little bit better of a version of Zach Wilson heading into the you know second half of the season. Yeah, and, and I'll push back a little on the Josh Allen thing, not because I really disagree. I think the way that you 
laid it out does make a lot of sense. And like pass completion is the number one thing that, that sticks off the, the stat sheet to me when you're looking at Zach Wilson's year is that is just something that like was not good consistently, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think, it, I think like among starting quarterbacks, I looked at the list today, like he, he's either last or second to last with like Jameis who didn't even play a full season. Correct. Mm-hmm, so right. like, that's obviously, I mean, it just has to get better. And I will just throw out people love to just be like, Oh, well they, they, he had a lot of drops and I, I looked it up and they're fifth in the league in drops, but mm-hmm. like the Rams were seventh with two less or three less, like the bucks are ninth with like three or four less. Like you, right. these drops aren't killing him, you know, 25 drops in a season. It's obviously not great, but they're not killing him. Um, the thing with Josh Allen is I do think like, Josh Allen made this unprecedented leap in in throwing accuracy that we've never really seen before. But so it's hard to just say like, well, this is the mold. Like, hopefully he can do that, you know? Yeah. But what I do think is when you're looking, I mean, for me, it's that back foot. Like that is the thing that stuck that that was just so obvious is he just wasn't setting his feet and wasn't like taking that step forward. And that's where your accuracy comes from. And Mm -hmm. what I loved is to see the way that improved throughout the year. And I think it's funny because like all last off season, obviously jets, Twitter is a great place. There's conversations going on all the time. And, and every like relatively reasonable person said the same thing. It's like, what do you want to see from Zach Wilson this year? I want to see flashes of like these, these highlight plays And I want to see improvement. And like, that's exactly what you saw, you know, like Mm -hmm. his accuracy got better as the year throwing, stepping into his throws and throwing off his front foot. He got better at holding the ball. Like he, the thing that stuck out the first three weeks or or maybe not even that, but the first part portion of the season is he would drop back and he'd have an open guy, but then he'd throw to the the guy behind him 10 yards, you know, take the harder (laughs) throw. And it's like, especially on first down, second and three, third and short, it's like, just get the first down, like live to play another down, because if you Mm -hmm. go for it and then it's an incomplete pass and obviously there's a balance there, but, but yeah, I mean, for me, the two big things that you wanted to see improvement, stop throwing off the back foot, don't hold the ball as long. And I do think those are things where we at least got to see those like steps in the right direction, you know? And mm-hmm. especially, I mean, the game, the game, and obviously this was his best game was um, the Buccaneers game at the end of the year, but mm-hmm. just like going back and watch and watching some of that game and seeing the tight window throws he's making um, Jordan Whitehead, who the safety we just signed, he like detailed one of the plays in his, um, in his presser, but there really is like so many examples in that game of him just being confident and making throws over the middle and fitting it into these tight windows, which is what you have to do in the NFL. You know, it's not college. You're not going to be thrown to these wide open guys. You have to be a better quarterback and just fit it in there, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and that's my thing with Zach Wilson, just to kind of get back to what you had originally asked me, like the difference is that I, I see, I already see like the greatness. And so exactly what you just said, it's like teach him how to pull it back and, and really hone in on, on those simple things, you know, like throwing off your front foot is a simple thing you can learn and yep. trying to get the ball out of your hands quickly. And having that internal clock is something that you can practice and learn, you know? So, 
So I just think, obviously, it's not an ideal, like, it's not like, oh, he had this crazy rookie year where he was so great, because that's not what it was. But I still think that the the signs are there and you can still look at it objectively and say, you know what, I, I still believe in this guy. And I still think this guy at least has the chance to prove he can be a franchise quarterback. I totally agree. I, like I said, he was one of my favorite guys coming out of the class. It wasn't like I had, you know, Lawrence, I definitely had a, above the rest of the crop, but Fields and, and Wilson were right next to each other. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I look, I'm, I'm looking right now at some of the things that I had been speaking about in, in our, my series on Wilson right now. And it's, it's everything you're saying, confidence and timing on open first reads, a routine throwing motion on the simple throws. I think when you can, I think when you're a player that can improvise so much and, and throw these off platform throws and all these crazy angles, you think that you just can do it every single play, but really when you've got the easy ones, it's like you're saying, just throw off your, your, your front foot. So those two things, giving up on dead plays, not only just the fact of like throwing a guy open when you see him open instead of trying to push it down deep, but like when a play is dead, please save your body, throw it out of bounds, give up on a play, go down. You know, we, the, the goat at that was Eli Manning, how he would just drop down before anybody chased. He's not a massive guy is really the, the thing with Wilson. And, you know, obviously you're comparing, you know, like I was mentioning with the, 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 you know, uh, how long it took for Josh Allen to become the quarterback he is now. Josh Allen's 245 pounds at quarterback. Zach Wilson does not have that size. He needs to protect his body a little bit more. Um, and then the only other thing that I had with Wilson was throwing his receivers open. Um, and this was something that I think we did see improvement as the second half of the year went on, but he didn't do a great job leading his receivers. And a lot of that can just be timing. Like I, I've said it three times now, when you don't have a full off season, it's hard to get into sync with those guys. And then just week one, you're out there against the Panthers and you're like, all right, well, go do it. Um, so I, I think what you saw from Wilson was a lot of throws that were behind the receivers or maybe just not throwing them into open space. Um, but those, those are really the big things that I, I think we can all agree on. Like he just needs to be better at heading into next season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is just one other point I want to make and, and it's about turnovers. Um, I think a lot of people who maybe aren't watching, watching every snap of every Jets game, you know, like I am. What? Why would you <laughs> want to do that? It's just like, like, like I think the Pats game, which was week two or three was a Thursday night game. And so obviously like these primetime games are so defining for like the general opinion of people. And so obviously kind of like Zach Wilson. The, uh, kind of like the icy ghost Monday night football. Game, right. Right. With right. Or like the butt fumble. You know what I mean? It's like oh. these, these things but but it, it it's so it's bigger than the jets though it's like it's it's kirk cousins for example like kirk cousins had all these struggles on prime time so people are always like oh he's a bad quarterback and it's like well he's not a bad quarterback he's actually a pretty okay if not good quarterback you know but so when you think about zach wilson i think a lot of people are like oh he just throws turnovers other than the pats game where he had four he only had three other games with more than one turnover and I and like um, in two of those games, he only threw one pick and had a fumble, you know, and then like he I don't think he threw an interception in the last four or five games, last five, yeah. last five games. So it's like, again, those are things where you're seeing 
like material improvement. You're not seeing him just continue to make these same mistakes over and over again. You're seeing him say, okay, I'm not going to throw this ball up. You know, I'm not going to like chuck it off my back foot and just hope for the best. And, and again, it's like what I was looking for last year, especially with a guy coming out of BYU who people kind of knew going in, he wasn't going to be like fully developed year one, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think, what we wanted to see from him was improvement. And and I think we got to see that. And I think just like limiting turnovers is so big. And when you have a good team and hopefully that's what we're building with these guys we're adding in these draft picks with Joe Douglas, at, at least we all want to just see the jets be competitive this year. Right? So Zach Wilson, just don't go out there and lose games and hold on to the ball and at least give us a chance to, to, to play and compete, you know, And so, Mm -hmm. again, I just really want to drive home the point that I believe in this guy. I saw improvement. And again, I'm a fan, but that's how I feel. I do, too. And I think you led me into a a great question there about or my next question for you, I guess, to to really wrap things up with Zach Wilson. um, As you're speaking about next season, Uh, I was listening to an episode of Badlands. Uh, Shout out to the guys who are doing that show over on Patreon. It's Connor Rogers and Joe. What's his last name? It's it's long. It starts with a C Caprazo or Caprazo. I don't know how it's pronounced, but yeah, I like them too. I apologize. I'm I'm love their show. Love their show. I was listening to them. uh, I want to say it was maybe two weeks ago where it almost they, they hinted at the idea that Wilson may have a, a pretty short leash here in terms of, um, you know, his tenure with the Jets and suggested that, hey, if if we get through the first half of next season and it is still a lot of the same problems and, and say that the Jets are off to another one and four or two and five start to the season, that they could be looking elsewhere um, if, if they're picking inside the top 10 again next season. I don't want to go into to the maybe the thoughts on that. How many games for you next season? Of course, schedule matters. The team matters. But when we look at this offseason, it has been solely focused on making life easier for Zach Wilson. They're going to be a power run offense, two tight end sets. You've got the receivers. You're probably adding a third with the 10th overall pick, which probably should be the number one drafted wide receiver uh, of that class. I, unless someone goes a little bit higher, maybe eight to, to Atlanta. But anyways, with the improvements this team has made, how many games into next season do you think you would get until you're like, what do we have here? Yeah, it's a hard question to, to answer. It is. I definitely it's, it's don't tough, think yeah. defining it with wins and losses is ideal because mm-hmm. I do think there's like a world where they start like two and four, one and four or whatever. And Zach Wilson's like playing okay, but, but honestly, not really, I guess, even saying that out loud, like it doesn't really make much sense. The thing is, is everything that I'm saying about Zach Wilson and how we saw improvement, like that's all good as the prequel and as like the rookie season, you know, but once you Mm -hmm. get in, if we go, I mean, I'd probably say like week seven, I guess week six or seven when you're really like, okay, like, Cause I mean, if he puts together six bad games in a row to start the season, it's kind of going to be like, all right, well, what do we have here? Mm-hmm. Um, especially just because you, I, I don't know, like thinking about how um, teams have dealt with quarterbacks these past few years and specifically thinking of 
Sam Darnold and, and Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. And I know Baker definitely played better than those other guys, but, but so often these teams like get in this position where it's like, okay, well, so now we're in year two, hopefully they make their jump. And we've seen that that's when a lot of quarterbacks who are great do make their jump. But then when they don't, it's like, okay, well, we have this next year three before we have to commit to an option or whatever. Let's see what we have. And then after that year three, you're still just kind of left with those same questions, you know? So it it's just like a weird world to think of where it's like, okay, two years, you're done. But Zach Wilson played badly last year. Like, like I'll talk about the um, improvements he made, but he did play poorly. Like you can't have a 55% completion percentage. You can't be missing wide open receivers in the flat, you know, like, like, so if you don't see improvement in those things in the first five or six games, I do agree. I mean, that's done, but I also do feel like it's going to be hard. I still think the jets are going to be a team that they're going to not they're or They're at least attempting to not have to like put all this pressure on him to succeed, you know, mm-hmm. and that's going back to these two tight ends, you know, like being out there in two tight end sets where you have seven guys potentially who can be an offensive line for you to block for running back. Like, I think the Jets are going to run a lot next year. And I think that with what they have now, I think they can be pretty successful. So I don't think Zach Wilson needs to be like great for them to win games, but he can't go out there and lose games. And he can't just continuously be this guy that we're seeing who just like can't figure out these easy throws, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a weird question, but I guess six or seven games is when you start to panic if it's just bad game after bad game after bad game. It is. It is a weird question to ask, and I only felt like asking it because I had heard people who are obviously tapped in with people inside the Jets organization speak on it. It's so interesting to think of, you know, the leash that Sam Darnold was given versus what could potentially be a shorter leash for Zach Wilson. But when you look at what everybody was arguing during the the Sam Darnold years, it was like, well, have you seen the team? Have you seen the coach? Have you seen what we're doing in free agency? Have you seen what we're doing in the draft? Like this guy has zero help. Whereas with Zach Wilson, it's like, hey, you this can't could really make that be, argument anymore. This could be two off seasons in a row where they they do a really solid job in free agency. You know, the draft is still to be decided, but with the picks they have, they're probably loading up there pretty well. So you're right. It it's crazy to think that there's a situation where he wouldn't get the 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 leash that Sam Darnold had because I believe Zach Wilson is undoubtedly a better quarterback prospect than Sam Darnold was. Um, But when you look at the situations, it's like the Jets are finally building a team instead of just needing to rely on quarterback play. So um, it'll be really interesting to see if, like you said, we are, you know, week six or seven and, you know, maybe the team is doing better, but he's still holding them back a little bit. Yeah. What's, what's funny is there's kind of like a catch 22 there too, because when you think of, so let's say there's this world where Zach Wilson is playing really poorly through six or seven games. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's going to say, that's an argument that people are making is like, well, Hey, we added pieces. They did a good job of building a team around him, but Zach Wilson's just not the guy. But then that leads to the question of a lot of people and probably for right reasons, consider Joe Douglas and Zach Wilson to kind of be connected because Joe Douglas stuck his claim. I'm taking this guy number two overall. So Mm -hmm. if he's out there not performing, but then you're also going to say, well, the rest of the team is kind of okay. I mean, where does that leave Joe Douglas? Let's say the Jets. 
I really struggle to think of a world where we're getting rid of Joe Douglas after next year. But knowing the NFL and the way it works, I mean, if we see the Jets have a horrible season, that just is what it is. And that's kind of my thing as a fan. I don't really like see that happening where the Jets are going to be two and 14 again or whatever. But obviously it's a possibility. It always is. And the Jets always get us excited and, and let us down. So just kind of an interesting thing, interesting thing to think about there. It is definitely. And especially when you think, yeah, a lot of it hinges on how these other quarterbacks uh, do in year two as well, too. How does Justin Fields take a step forward in, in his second year in Chicago? Trey Lance, if he gets the opportunity True. in San Francisco, True. Mac Jones, I think we all agree he's got a very nice Fuck situation. Mac Jones. Where he doesn't I'm going to say great. it. Fuck that guy. He's still everyone's he's still, like, oh, he's a pro bowler. Shut he's, up. I, well, we're basically just calling out Scott Graham at this point. I know, Which but it will be interesting like, to see if like he's waited. Thinks... Yeah, right. I'll be interested <laughs> to see if he's waited long enough in this podcast to hear his shout out. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that to that text message. It's just tomorrow, like, so. oh, like he gets to go to a good team and like not do anything and then like be good. It's like, all right, <laughs> yeah. he's okay. Let's give him another year and see what goes. I, I think down. he's a solid enough quarterback, definitely. But yeah. but that, it, it it the point is is you know, if these other quarterbacks all start doing well and Zach still continues to struggle, that's where I feel like the pressure really hits on. Whereas it's if the, the, the problem is, is you go back to 2003, or I think maybe it's 2002. It's exactly 50% of first round quarterbacks either succeed or don't succeed. So it's really, you know, it's, it's the hardest position to hit on really. And, And it's also the most important position. So it's really tough. That's yeah, 100%, you know, and that's why like, it's just hard for me. I hate when people when because because it definitely is like a a thing that I think Jets writers and reporters are kind of pushing and, and maybe not even that maybe it's just like general Jets fans in general. But I just I personally with the way that Joe Douglas has handled himself these last three years, and maneuvered money and completely cleared out dead space. And with what you're saying with backloading contracts and Sal is only in his second year, like it's just really hard for me to see a world where even if Zach Wilson turns out to not be it and never take that step forward, just say, well, we're going to fire you too, even though it seems like you're doing a pretty good job elsewhere, you know? So I don't know. It's just to think about Zach Wilson and Joe Douglas and how they're connected has just always been like, it, it just puts my brain into a knot. <laughs> the the only place that I would see it really becoming serious with Joe is if for the third season in a row, you're picking inside the top five. If the yeah. Jets are inside the top five, or I would say even as far as like the top seven or eight, it's one of those situations where it's like three years now, we've gotten really excited in the off seasons and the production on the field just isn't hitting it. You know, you look at um, and, and I just compare it because it's 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 the team that I've got to watch the most over the last six years when Chris Ballard came in for the Indianapolis Colts, did the same thing, gutted the roster, flipped the bad regime, started building the new. We were only picking inside the top 10 for one single year. After that, we were in the playoffs. So it's one of those situations where if you're three years inside the top five and, and you know, granted, the Colts had a lot of different things going on with them in terms of they had Andrew Luck and they didn't. There was a lot of shuffling around that made things complicated, but um, he made that team good despite its quarterback play. And I think that's where the Jets need to be in a position for. And that's hopefully where they are next season, where even if Zach Wilson isn't the guy moving forward, they're at least one of those teams that can still win on defense, win in the run game, 
uh, control the time of possession and, and not need Zach Wilson to be uh, winning them games out there. And then if you move on from Zach Wilson, you guys can just trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and, and just really become San Francisco East. No, but until no. you said that, <laughs> I like the way you think. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> I could really, I could talk about this for literally hours, but I know. I, I feel like we've been going hour. on. I think, I think we've done enough here on Zach Wilson. We've got but plenty just, of time to, I really could go forever, dude. I cannot, uh, I just, well, that's why we've got this. I, I don't think we have a plan on stopping it. And so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think that'll wrap the wrap things up today. I just, just, I, I feel like we're both at the same place. Still a lot of work on with Wilson. Really liked what we saw the last maybe five or six games of the season, that Tampa game especially. The team is there to help him out this upcoming season. Um, it's it, it's time to it, if he doesn't improve, uh, there's definitely going to be some some questions raised. So I think I think we both stand at the same point with this with this whole thing. Yep, I agree, and I do want to say, and we should have said this at the beginning of the show, but yeah. follow us on Twitter. Our at is mm. at NYJ underscore chasing 69, a.k.a. getting back to the Super Bowl and winning. But follow us on Twitter because it's going to be sick. We're going to have the best tweets ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we should we should we shouldn't save that for the end. We should mention that up front. So, yeah, yeah. give us a follow there on Twitter. Um, as every podcast says, like subscribe. Share with people uh, if you enjoy what we're doing here. Send to your uh, mom. Interact with us as well, too. Yeah, send it to your mom, your grandmother. Uh, I'm sure Grandma Dietz is listening. A yep. huge fan, I'm sure. Big Jets awesome. girl. Big football girl. Cool. Perfect. Well, Teddy, if you're all set to, to take off here, I think we've done enough for today. I think we've got a, an exciting month coming up um, as we prepare for the draft. We've got a lot of key positions that we could start talking about and taking a look at. And uh then we'll hit the dead period for three months where we'll have to uh, talk. Maybe we can just do a, a Jets history through the eyes of Teddy Pristash where we can look at the last uh, decade and a half of, of suffering you've had to go through. But we'll have a lot of stuff. We'll be back next Wednesday. Um, this episode should be up on YouTube. So thank you. If you're if you're on YouTube, subscribe to us as well there. Uh, we're, we're trying to get that going as well, too. Uh, for Teddy Pristash, I'm Blake Pace. We'll see you next week. <laughs>